We work hard at becoming a more selfless team and they rose to that challenge. It's, it's just, it's surreal just how, how far this program has come. We are two separate teams. We are one big family. So it was really exciting to be able to um, support them and be there. It was true, we could, we could win outdoor. You know, every time I looked at it, there was a pathway for us to come out on top. Um, I still don't think the percentages were, were in our favor, um, but we knew it was truly possible. You know, could is still very different from will or, or should. Um, and, and we knew we could do it. So looking back at the championship, um, I couldn't be happier with, with how it played out, especially coming home with the team win. Um, that was our first title in 22 years on the girls' side, so that was a really big accomplishment. Yeah, it's individual events in track, and we're definitely split up in our event groups, the throwers, the sprinters, the jumpers, the distance runners. Um, but winning a championship really gave us a really, really cool and beautiful opportunity to come together, not in event groups, not in individual events, but as a team uh, to celebrate the championship. And I was running alongside people in this victory lap that I haven't really even talked to this season, you know. Um, but just being able to be unified in this win was super cool. Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman, and I'm going to be the host of Track World News, presented by The Harrier. And welcome back to our docu-series, Moving Mountains, which follows the chaotic 2020-2021 season for Mount St. Mary's University. In our last episode, we looked at the man that really started it all, Jim Deegan, and the impact that his legacy has had on the Mount program as a whole. Today, we'll take a look at two of the most recent Mount St. Mary's championships and what it has set up for the future. 1997 and 1998. Not only are these the years that most student-athletes on the 2018-2019 championship teams were born, it is also the last time that the Mount was able to hoist a team title for both the men and the women. Since 1998, the men's side of the conference has been dominated by the likes of Central Connecticut and Monmouth. Both teams had gone on their own separate four-peats, and between the years of 2004 and 2017, they have accounted for 12 out of the last 14 conference titles. The women's side, however, was a different story. From 1999 to 2013, the top two positions in the conference were reserved for either LIU Brooklyn or Monmouth University, as they traded team titles year after year. And then, when Sacred Heart broke the streak, they went on their own four-year winning streak. So to say it's difficult to crack into the winner's podium for the NEC would be an understatement. I started my journey with the Mount in 2016. Just a scrawny pole vaulter that was one of 23 freshmen joining that year, the largest class in program history at the time. It was Coach Phillips' very first season leading the team, and everyone was super excited to get started on our new journey. Our team had a few great standout performers and leaders, but nowhere near enough depth to win a team title. If you want to win a championship, you're going to have to learn how to win first. And during my sophomore year, we did just that. With expectations at the beginning of the season predicting a last place finish for us, we didn't let that headline determine our season. Led by NCAA qualifier Julian Woods and future Mount coach Josh Poole, we were able to pull together a third place finish 
and coming just 22 and a half points shy of a team title. While we came up just short and we would be losing a couple key seniors during the offseason, we were ready to come back better than ever in 2018. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, you know, let, let's start at the beginning. Why not, right? So, so I remember, uh, uh, you know, a coach on staff at the time had, had said, hey, you know, I think we ought to talk about the men's, this is in the fall, about the men's chance to, to win in our opening meeting. I said, no, I'm not bringing that up. Like, I, I, I just flat out just shot it down. And he said, he said, look, go look at our roster. Go look at what points you think we can score. And if there's a chance, then, then be honest with the team. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And so I went and did some research and sure enough, there was a pathway. So, so I, you know, I remember being honest with the team that there was a chance and, and everyone got all excited. And then, and, and then it was, it was just a really fun, special year of trading. Like everyone was dialed in and, and, um, um, and I think going to the meet, I still think we had a chance. Um, I don't think me going into the meet thought we were the favorite. Um, I know hosting was going to be an advantage. Um, um, but again, I think you guys believed, you know, actually believed a lot, a lot sooner than I did, but I tend to also be really conservative on those type of predictions as well. But, um, um, so, so, you know, the meet starts and, and we start with a bang. I mean, I think the first event, um, you know, I, I think of, I think it was day two, the, the triple jump, right? Sean Fahey wins a triple jump on a tiebreaker. Uh, we know after day one, we're still, we still got a shot. I mean, and I, and I think from, from my perspective, the, after every event, we tabulate the results and I'm like, okay, we're still in it. Okay. We're still in it. Okay. We're still in it. I mean, there, there was never a point where we had the lead, I think until the end. Um, I mean, there was never a point where we were, you know, needed a, uh, uh, you know, an, an absolute miracle to pull it off. It was just, we just needed to keep performing the best we could. We just needed, and, and, and it didn't mean we were going to win. It just meant, oh my gosh, there's now five events left and we still got a chance. Oh my gosh, there's four events left. We still got a chance. And, you know, day two, it was cold and rainy. And um, at least by the end of it, and I remember going to the Morton building where the 5k runners were, were, you know, doing their final stuff before they ran. And um, I just got some updates either from the field side or, or whatever. And I walked up to the 5k runners and I said, look there, I have no idea if we're winning or not. I know it's really close and I know we got a chance. So just go run your heart out. Right. And then, and then after the 5k, I think before the four by four, we knew we were down three or four points. I mean, whatever it was, we, we knew we were down and, um, we were in the, in the, the first section, right. The, the, uh, the slower section. So we just knew we had to run our heart, run our, run our hearts out. And, um, and we did that four by four ran amazing. Um, uh, you know, I, I obviously won that, won that heat and a, and a time that was going to press the, the, the first heat. Um, um, but still, you know, I, I mean, we were still a couple points behind central and, and Central is just such a deep team. I mean, right before they ran their event, um, I just remember like, like, God, is this really going to happen? Are we really going to have the best meet of our lives and lose by two points? 
Like, is it like, like, is this really going to happen? Like, and, and, and I'm formulating already what I'm going to tell the team when we laid it all out there, you know, had, had one of the best meets I could, I could, I could draw up and we're just going to come up short. Like we're just going to come up short. And uh, so that shows my, like my temperament, right. Uh, uh, even, even right before the thing, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a, with what to tell the team when, uh, when we get second place and, um, uh, and sure enough, we're watching this and first leg of central goes by and I'm like, okay, three more legs. We're still in it. Second leg, third leg, fourth leg. And as soon as they, as soon as they cross a line and, and we knew we beat them and the other teams, I mean, I, I, I just turned to the coaches around me. It's like, I think we did it. Like, I think we did it. Like, like, and we're just all waiting and we're waiting for those results to come up and those points scored. And sure enough, like it was a point or two and we just all went crazy, you know? So, so, I mean, we, it was, it was a fun, fun, emo, uh, you know, sort of emotional roller coaster that um, those, those whole two days, uh, but particularly the final sort of 60 minutes. Alabama head coach, Nick Saban once said, one thing about championship teams is that they're resilient. No matter what is thrown at them, no matter how deep the hole, they find a way to bounce back and overcome adversity. End quote. The championship didn't go perfect for everyone, and being the underdog, you really can't afford many missteps. Personally, I came into the meet ranked second overall, and being at home, I had some high hopes for the afternoon. Following a very difficult warm-up session where my nerves were getting the best of me, I wasn't able to calm down and ended up leaving with a no height and zero points to my name. While my competition might have been over early, my job wasn't done yet. I stuck around the pole vault pit and cheered on my two teammates, Carter and Chris, who both outperformed their seeds and got personal best as well as claiming some hardware in the process. Luckily, we had plenty of teammates that were able to pick up the slack, including our senior captain, DJ Workoff, who won the MVP for the meet after having a very, very busy championship weekend. I definitely had a handful of events. I had the 100, the 200, four by one four by four and then uh my main thing was long jump you know going into the meet i definitely wanted to do really well it was like my last like home meet my senior year and uh so day one i had long jump in the prelims and the entire season i would say um i was pretty consistent with my long jump like i was definitely jumping over seven meters the entire season and uh, I definitely wanted to do that and uh, defend my indoor title that I had. Uh, it was a huge PR, was like 745 uh, meters in long jump, which was huge. And I uh, definitely wanted to come down and um, definitely defend my title in that. And then there wasn't a lot of expectation for me to score in the 100 and 200. But um, I definitely wanted to, you know, try to get as much points as I could and just make it to the finals, at least for those two. And um, a lot of my training that year had to do with a whole bunch of Maltese. So we really didn't have like the 100 and 200 um, scheduled for a lot of those meets during that year. Um, so pretty much, I mean, I just went in there and tried to score as much points as I could. One of the most difficult things about attempting to win a team title at any level of track and field is unity. It's very easy to get lost in your own event and endeavors and fail to see the bigger picture. If you want to win team titles, you'll need team chemistry. And that's what the men's team had that season. The workouts were hard, but the dreams were bigger. 
I remember specifically during circuit season, nicknamed Hell Weeks by the team for how difficult the workouts were, that something was a little bit different that year. I just wasn't sure what. The hill was the same height, the track was the same length, and the sun was just as hot as last year, but it wasn't the same. That year, everyone was training for a purpose. Last season, we had no expectations, but this year, we knew we could win it all. No off reps, no excuses, everyone was locked in. Being an athlete on that team was amazing, and the support that we had from our coaches, team parents, and of course, our teammates on the women's side was incredible. The best part about having the championship at home was that we truly felt that we had a home track advantage. When the men's team was celebrating a last-second win in the 4x400 meters, Every member of the women's team was right there celebrating with us, knowing that they had the talent and determination to do the exact same thing. Three months later, August rolls around, and the team is sitting in the same room we were last year, and Coach draws up a roadmap for how the women could win a team championship as well. Returning most of their point scores, and with a brand new class of freshmen that were ready to contribute, the women were all locked in for the indoor championship. But taking home the title would not be easy. LAU Brooklyn was looking to repeat as champions, and schools like FDU and Sacred Art had championship aspirations as well. The women's championship had a different feel from the men's just a year prior. While the men won on a nail-biter that went down to the very last race, the women showed they were champions right away by taking an early points lead and never looking back. The overall dominance was sparked all over both the track and the field, but mainly through the standout performances of sophomore sprinter Kayla Barnes, who won the Outstanding Sprinter Award, freshman Dominique Jeffries, who won the Freshman of the Meet Award, senior Aaron Sample, who won the Outstanding Thrower Award, and senior distance runner Aaron Jascott, who won the MVP Award. All of these excellent performances culminated in a 138-point performance with a lot of memorable moments throughout the entire weekend. To share how it felt to win a team conference championship is former MVP of the meet, Aaron Jascott. Yeah, sure. So uh, that meet, the indoor NEC championships, will probably go down as my favorite meet um, in history of my time as a runner. And even though like I was new to the team, that was, that was my second season um, with the Mount. And I could just sense like how important this was to the team and to Coach Jay, to Coach Fitz, and all of the girls were so bought in. And I was like, I want to be a part of this moment and I want to, um, you know, make some history here. So I actually, um, leading into the meet, I, I was pretty sick. I hadn't run like the whole week before and like had an inhaler, like had like a really bad lower respiratory infection. And Fitz was like, oh yeah, like acting like I wasn't going to race at NECs. And when he said that, I just looked at him and I was like, I'm racing, I'm, I'm racing. And he was like, are you sure? Like, really, you really don't have to. Like, you haven't worked out, you haven't run, like you still don't sound good. And I was like, no, like I absolutely am racing. Like, I don't know how it's gonna go, but I will be there. Um, so I remember like the day before, like doing a shakeout run in Staten Island and I'm from New York. So um, I always love racing in New York and being back uh, at Ocean Breeze. So that was a special moment and I knew my family was gonna be there too. Um, so I remember going for a shakeout, my legs felt like jello. 
I like my lungs did not feel good. Uh, but you know, you just, you just have to keep looking forward and can't psych yourself out. So my first race was, um, the 800 prelims and he was like, just, just get through it. Like go as slow as you can and, and, and advance. And, uh, 20 minutes later, I had to come back for the 3k finals and, I remember like I felt, I think I was the number one seed going in. Um, and in that race, I was way off the back. I remember Maddie and I, we were seated one, two, and we were thinking like, yeah, like we, we should get this. Um, and then, you know, we had a lot of company the entire race and I fell off the back. Um, and the 3K was the new event for me that season. So I didn't have a lot of experience with it. Um, I think I was in seventh or eighth place with like 400 meters to go. Um, and then that's when I just exploded my kick and I was shocked that I had that in me, but it was like pure adrenaline. You feel the team around you, like crazy atmosphere. The parents are there, the coaches are going crazy. And like, it's like a blur. But um, I remember coming off the, the last turn and thinking like, I, I can win this, like, I can win this. And the CCSU girl didn't see me coming and I couldn't have left it um, any closer than I did. And it was like an amazing moment. And I like to think of that race and that moment as like a redefining um, moment in my running career. Like that was like, that was the reason why I never quit um, despite everything that had happened in the years leading up to it. And I remember just like Fitz, like jumping over the fence and just like shaking me. And it was a very emotional moment um, for both of us. And then from then on, like the, the girls, we just kept rallying and we were going off of each other's successes. And it was, it was just amazing. 800, I got second, it was close, but I didn't get the win. Um, but Clark Cooper was there, she scored. Everyone just did what they needed to do. The DMR was the second to last event and we knew it was going to be close team title. Um, and the girls let me, like, they gave me a really great position going, going into the final leg. And I was feeling dead up in that part of the race. Um, but same deal. I just hawked the girl down at the end and we grabbed the win and we qualified for uh, um, ECACs the following week and ended up cracking in the top 10. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget doing the victory lap with the team and how happy all of the coaches and girls were. It was a very incredible meet. The term getting hawked is one that no track athlete wants to be on the business side of. For those that don't know what getting hawked is, it's when a runner has a large lead in a race and someone comes out of nowhere to win it. If you're in the lead and you start hearing the signature, from the crowd, you know that it's all over and you might as well accept your second place finish because there's nothing you can do at that point. While she touched on it briefly, I can't understate enough how incredible that kick was for the line in the women's 3K. Going into the last lap, she was behind by two meters and it looked to be out of championship contention. As the final turn approaches, Erin put it all together and went into another gear as she began to close the gap with every single step. Being in the stands, it was crazy to watch, and to see her dive across the line to win gold was the true turning point for that championship, as everyone was fired up by that performance. 
These moments and emotions were the first for a new generation of Mount Track and Field. Many of the athletes that are on the 2020-2021 roster were a part of these teams and are hungry to return to the top of the podium. And in our next episode, we will explore the beginning of the 2020-2021 season and how this unusual year changed track as we know it. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you leave a like, comment, subscribe, and leave a review. It really helps us know that you're enjoying the content that we're producing. Make sure to tune in next week so you can hear the third episode of Moving Mountains. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. Bye.